Your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the, all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess served their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons, and your daughters, and your men servants, and your maidservants, and the Levite that is within your gates, forasmuch as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes. There thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. Notwithstanding, thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates." Whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee, the unclean and the clean may eat thereof, as of the roebuck and as of the heart only. Ye shall not eat the blood, ye shall pour it upon the earth as water. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or the firstlings of thy herds, or of thy flock, or any of thy vows which thou vowest, nor thy freewill offerings, or heave offering of thine hand. But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. 
thou and thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. Take heed to thyself that thou forget or forsake, excuse me, not the Levite, as long as thou livest upon the earth. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh because, my, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord hath given thee as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, even as the roebuck and the heart is eaten, so thou shalt eat them. The unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it, thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. Thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Only thy holy things which thou hast, and thy vows, thou shalt take, and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose. And thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and thou shalt eat the flesh. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwell, dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself, that thou be not snared by following them, after that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, that thou, or sorry, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. What things soever I command you observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Well, roughly, this chapter is divided into three sections. The first section has to do with the what I call the first prohibition. The last section, the last prohibition... So a few verses, four verses say at the front, four verses say at the back, approximately. And then the middle section is what you shall do. Prohibition, what you shall do, right, command, and then prohibition once again. And so the Lord frames what he is talking about here with regard to how he will be worshipped and where he will be worshipped with uh, two statements of prohibition beginning and ending. In the first statement of prohibition, we hear that there will be nothing that shall remain from the idolatrous practices 
of the heathen when they get into the land. They are to take everything down, dismantle and destroy all of it, every last bit of it. You shall utterly destroy all the palace, sorry, all the places where the nations which ye shall possess serve their God. High mountains, hills, green trees, overthrow or break, smash their altars, their pillars, burn their groves with fire, hew down their graven images of their gods, destroy the names of them out of that place. Okay, so very extreme language, right? Um, we want none of that left behind. May I say also that what is happening here is the people of God are not only going into that land to develop themselves a church, but a political entity as well, eventually with a monarchy, as chapter 17 will tell us. So then, the people of God are reminded here, we are reminded, of the failure of pluralism. It will always be a failure, beloved. A people are who they are at their lowest common denominator, which is their religious commitment. Make no mistake, there is a religion of these United States. There's a constitutional religion of these United States what we have ensconced in our constitutional documents, and we might call that deism or general theism. But then there's, there are also what we might call the prevalent idols of our land. And these are the things that unite us as a people, as Americans. <laughs> now, they're not good. I'm not saying that they're good things. They're not good things. Money, wealth, power, fame, whether that's sports fame, political fame, economic fame, all of those kinds of things. Um, Self-reliance, you know, the rugged American individualist, that kind of thing. There are these idols that unite us as a people at our basic religious sense. What does God want for his people? That nation that he has chosen visibly above all nations of the earth. He wants that they should have nothing to compete with him in their civil as well as their ecclesiastical estate. So when you go into that land to set up a kingdom, not just a church, break down the idols, cut down the groves, let no vestige of false worship remain. I know that's radical thinking. But it's biblical thinking. Our fathers understood this. All right, so then beyond that, we're going to hear of several things that the children of Israel are to do. Number one, we hear about a place where the Lord will choose to set his name. We don't know what that place is yet in the history of the Old Testament. It's just somewhere in that land of Canaan. But we don't know exactly where yet. Now, we've had hints at it, haven't we? There's this mountain Right? There's this mountain where Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac. And do you remember the end of Genesis 22, what Abraham says? In the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen, it shall be provided. There's going to be something there. 
right? We have these precursors. We have these little keyhole glimpses that the Lord will set up a place where he will choose to put his name. And the Lord says, now when I do that, when I do that, every sacrifice, everything that belongs to me will be brought there. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, you can tell the difference between what belongs to God and what belongs to the people. Everything that belongs to God comes to Jerusalem. It doesn't say Jerusalem yet. It just says the place where I've set my name. Your offerings, your tithes, your oil, your wine, your first fruits, your sacrifices, whether they're voluntary sacrifices or not. There'll be a, you know, several lists, I think three lists in the, in the chapter here that tell us the things that belong to God. They're the things we bring to him in Jerusalem. Then there are things that belong to you. And the things that belong to you are what you can have in your own gates. Do you desire to eat flesh? You don't have to wait to come before the Lord to offer up your animal and eat with the priest and the Levite and the clean people of your household. You don't have to wait till then. In your land, the clean and the unclean may eat together. Why? Because it's a meal and not a sacrifice. You see how that's separated out in this passage. Very simply, very easily, right? And so what does the Lord do here? The Lord makes a distinction between what belongs to him and what belongs to the people. Now there are, we might say, that we as living sacrifices, that we belong to the Lord as well. Well, and we want to understand that. We want to understand that when coming to Jerusalem, they come as living sacrifices. And every sacrifice that they offer is a testimony that they also are given to the Lord as his people. Yet the Lord would, because of our needs and weaknesses, and because he is kind to us, will give us things that belong, that we can understand that are ours to eat and to enjoy. But the difference between the meal and, the, and then going to Jerusalem is what? That the clean and the unclean shall eat thereof. A few of us have been talking recently about pedo-communion and that error. And one of the things that the Bible teaches us, and that very clearly, is that the Passover itself was a sacrifice. As a sacrifice, only clean persons could eat of it <coughs> the unclean could not eat of it and of course that's made very clear isn't it in numbers chapter 10 at very at a at a minimal understanding then it is an error to say that the entire household partook of the passover and that's a misnomer it's not true. But notice, the entire household, the clean and the unclean alike, partook of their family meals. There's a difference between God's things and our things. This chapter makes that very clear. So, the Lord says, and he will say a little bit later on in Deuteronomy, here he hints at it, you, you know, the Lord's going to expand your borders. There's going to come a time when... You're going to be tempted not to go to Jerusalem because of the distance. 
Don't worry, the Lord says. You can still have flesh no matter how far out you are. Whatever your soul lusteth after, whatever you desire, whatever clean animal, only thing that you don't get is the blood. Why? Because that belongs to God. And so even if you don't bring it to Jerusalem, you must give it to him. That also belongs to him. So even with regard to their normal eating, there is a testimony that not everything is theirs, right? Pour that blood out as water. I'm the author of life, I'm the giver of life, and I am the receiver of that life again. Pouring that life out before the Lord is like saying, this animal uh, in its expiration expires back to God who gave it. Whereas in the ancient Near East, certain mystery religions, they drank the blood to receive that life themselves. The Lord says, that's mine. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. So the chapter has some very interesting things. When we think through the chapter, it's not just bring it all here, but the why of bringing it all here and the how of bringing it all here is also very important and shown, perhaps not in a great level of detail, but in quite a bit of detail. All right, with that then, we come to the final section, which is the second prohibition, and the Lord advances that prohibition. Listen to what he says in that final portion, beginning in verse 29. Well, let's, let's start with verse 28. At the end of that section, he says, Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. Remember that there's always a blessing attached to obedience. Now, when the Lord thy God shall cut off nations from before thee, whether thou goest to possess them and succeedest them and dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them after they be destroyed from before thee, and thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Notice, first of all, in the first prohibition, that we took down all of the equipment. Now we take down all the ideas. And they must go too. You will not worship the Lord your God according to the ways, the ideology, that those people worship their gods. It's not only the equipment that must come down. It's the ideas that must come down. And so, beloved, we have entered into a silly season, as we say almost every year. And in that silly season, what do we have? We have the syncretistic mingling of ancient pagan religion with Christianity. We have a direct prohibition against all such syncretism here in Deuteronomy 12, 29 and following. We not only break down the altars, we break down the ideas as well. They have to go. We don't worship God according to the ways these other idolaters worshipped their gods. And how do we ensure that we do that? Very simply, look at what he says in verse 32. Whatsoever thing I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. How simple, how elegant, and how neglected. So as we come to the end of Deuteronomy chapter 12, let us remember 
that in the visible church, we have much work left to do. We have much things, we have many things to pray about, many things to be of service to our brethren about concerning how God is to be worshipped and the tearing down not only of the idols and their, and their, their uh, appliances, if you will, but tearing down those ideas as well. Let's stand and continue praising God.